0: robin take your bibles if you would this morning turn to mark the book of mark again this morning mark chapter 10 verse 32 mark chapter 10 verse 32 last week we had a great vacation bible school appreciate everyone who helped out in that and attended that and made that possible also yesterday we had a wonderful barbecue celebration 4th of july probably the most food i've seen here at this place and we had a great time karen epperson won the She's the queen barbecue, queen of barbecue. She did a great job. She won. Brother Eric Carroll won the uh, Golden Plunger Award. If you don't know what that is, come see me. I'll tell you later. A little competition we have, but uh, great, great time. Love fellowshipping with brothers and sisters in Christ. Mark chapter 10 this morning. Mark chapter 10, verse 32. Mark chapter 10, verse 32 this morning. And that was going up. And to Jerusalem, Jesus went before them. They were all amazed, and they followed, they were afraid. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests, unto the scribes. They shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. They shall mock him. They shall scourge him. They shall spit upon him and shall kill him. the third day he shall rise again gracious father thank you once again for the opportunity the freedom to preach your word we thank you lord for this lord day we thank you that is the lord's day we can come to you gather together with brothers and sisters in christ and singing these hymns and worshiping you lord but now as we hear your word i pray god you would give us ears to hear help us lord to hear again these wondrous truths from your word from your gospel God, I pray, as I always pray, Lord, by the grace of God, that if there be one in this room who does not know Christ as your Savior, God, I pray that they would, they, would, they would know Christ, to whom to know is everlasting life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me, Jesus said. I pray that everyone in this room has freedom from sin because of what Christ has done for them in dying on the cross and shedding his blood. Oh, Father, draw that one to yourself. Help us as Christians to be reminded this morning of the price of freedom. To be thankful, to be grateful, especially this time of year as we think of these days, Lord, the price that was paid, Lord, not just in this country, but for Jesus Christ and what he did for us. May we be reminded and be grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Many times this time of year, we think of the heroes that sacrificed so we could have freedom as we celebrate. This weekend, especially tomorrow, July the 4th, of course, that was when that document was signed uh, by the colonists. They got together in Philadelphia to sign the Declaration of Independence that we could be freedom from the tyrannical rule of England and King George. Those men originally came over so they could seek religious freedom. They, in England, had a, a church of England that told them how to how to have religious services, what to preach, how to live. But thankfully, there was a group of people who decided we, they believed they needed to teach and preach and understand the word of God based on the word of God, not to the dictates of a king or a state church. And so they went seeking freedom, first to Holland, then ultimately to this land, which would be called one day the United States of America. Of course, other people would come, not just for religious reasons, but for for gold, for glory. But we are thankful today, especially because we have the freedom to meet. We have the freedom without worry about persecution to preach God's holy word without worry of somebody trying to persecute us for what we believe. We should be thankful. When I think about the words of men like Patrick Henry, who said, besides, sir, we shall not fight our battles alone, but there's a just God who presides over the destinies of nations who will rise up friends to fight battles for us this man who was not a preacher himself but was from the lineage of puritan preachers of old he went on to say on march 20th 1775 it is vain sir to extenuate the matter gentlemen may cry peace peace but there is no peace the war has actually begun the next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms our brethren are already in the field why stand here idle what is the what is the gentleman's wish? What would, what would they have? It is, is life so dear, a peace so sweet, as to be purchased as the price of chains and slavery? Forbidden, forbid it, Almighty God, I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. That's, those words sound kind of strange to our ears in 2022. And though we might not be fighting a war here in the United States of America, we are fighting a war. We are in a spiritual battle. There are people's lives, yea, very souls that matter. Jesus Christ did not come to be a hero. He didn't come even the first time to be worshipped. He wasn't trying to gain some type of victory. He wasn't trying to set up some type of declaration of independence. No, he wasn't trying to start a war, a physical war. But he did come to change lives. Jesus Christ, the only person in history who came specifically to die. That's why he came. He came not to win something or make something. He came for one sole reason. This morning, we're going to learn a little more or reminded of some things that we've heard in the past, actually a couple of times in the past, how Christ will actually come. He will die. He'll be delivered. He'll be delivered. Then he'll die. Then he'll rise again so we could have everlasting life. Let's start out, first of all, looking at the dis- disturbing direction. The disturbing direction, it says there in verse 32, And they were in the way going up to Jerusalem. The direction of the disturbance, they were going up to Jerusalem. Now, it says going up because uh, Jerusalem was higher in altitude. It was about 3,500 feet up from the plains, from the Dead Sea, so they'd always be going up to Jerusalem. It was up in elevation. But not only would it be going up in elevation, it would be going up in hostility, as we'll talk more about the hostility that would be faced there in Jerusalem. But the reality is our way is opposite from the world, isn't it? For the Christian life, our, our way is not the, the path of ease. It's not the path of, of the world. The day that I trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior was the day that I began a war. You see, I used to just go the way of the world. <laughs> Whichever the way the world, the winds of the world blew, that's the way I went. Friends wanted to go drink, I go drink. People Friends want to go party, I go party. People People want to go do this. Where, wherever the winds and whichever the way the winds would blow, that's the way I went. Because my goal in life before I was saved was to please myself. But dear friend, when you become a Christian, that's opposite. <laughs> no longer are you going with the, with the winds of the world. You're actually going upstream. You're going an opposite direction. You repent of your sins and you say, by the grace of God, I'm not drinking, I'm not smoking, I'm not running around with those who do. Because if I do, I'll be going with them again. I go opposite. So the day you trust Christ as your Savior, you enter a war. You enter a war. And so their word opposite. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. You feel it strange? You feel awkward? You should feel awkward in this world. When you go into that store they play music that they should not be playing and saying things they should not be saying, you should feel awkward. You should feel different. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Dear beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly, f- fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Man, the things you see on TV, oh, I can't see that. The things you see out in public, I can't see that. I want to watch that. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to listen to that. Our way of life is different. We live in a culture of death. Death, decay, and destruction is the way of the world because this world and God's sovereignty has been given over to the prince of the power of air. And all he cares about is to kill and destroy. That's all he cares about. We live in a world of death, a culture of death. Our way is purity. But the culture is the way is wickedness. We live. It, we, our way is truth. But the culture thrives on lies. You do not know, based on what media says, who's telling the truth. Who is telling the truth? When you turn on TV, you, how do you know they're lying? Their lips are moving. You can't believe anything people are saying nowadays. Especially when it comes out out on the news our way is opposite from the world our opposition is different from the world first peter 4 12 beloved think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which to try you as though some strange thing may happen to you when the world has trouble they think woe is me gloom despair and agony on me whoa you ever heard that before yeah hee-haw i know some of you old timers remember that but when we go through problems, see, friends, it ain't the world. It's from some some God. You remember a person by the name of Job? Would that did that just happen? You, was he just having bad luck that day or was he going through what exactly God wanted him to go through? See, God brings trials in our lives to test us, to help us, to grow us. They're not just having a bad hair day. If I had hair. No, it's just not a bad hair day or a bad luck. There's no such thing as luck. There's not such thing as you go under, under a ladder and you, you're going to get cursed or you, a black cat goes by you're going to have a bad day or you, or you break a glass in seven years. No, dear friends, the things that you and I struggle with is, is to help us. If we quit worrying about what the world thinks and saying, the troubles we have are oftentimes in our life for our good and his glory. He says in verse 13, Rejoice in so much as you're partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceedingly glad, exceeding joy. Oh, wow. It's a different perspective. When the world goes through trouble, it's woe, it's sadness, it's difficulty. How should we respond to trouble? I get to partake in the sufferings of Christ? How should I respond? Not with gloom and doom, but with joy i get to be a partaker of christ's sufferings as christ the lord of lords and king of kings if he suffered and he was perfect should not we suffer if the master suffered dear friends shouldn't the servants suffer yes we should there was a direction in the disturbance they were going a different way there was a dedication in the servants jesus went before them they didn't have to drag jesus along and say okay now jesus we got to go. We got to go. No, Jesus went ahead of them. Jesus always goes ahead of us, doesn't he? Aren't you glad that he does? He had a purpose. Luke chapter 2, verse 49 Wist not that I must be about my Father's business? That was his first words. His last words were, It is finished. He had a purpose. May I ask you a question this morning? Do you have a purpose? Do you have a purpose? Man, do you have a purpose? Do you have a reason why you get up in the morning? Ladies, you have a purpose. You know why God has has you here? The reason you're here today is not to build your kingdom, but to give God the glory and live by the grace of God to serve him. What's your purpose? A lot of people, 70% of Americans are working every day hating a job they do not like, and they have no purpose. Do you have a purpose? Do you have a reason to get up? Oh, Jesus had a purpose. He had a, oh, he had a purpose. He had a passion. Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it came to pass when the time was come that he should be delivered up. He steadfastly set his faith to go to Jerusalem. He had to go to Jerusalem. He had to go to the place where he was going to be destroyed, where he was going to be killed, where he was going to be mocked. And we looked at that later. So he had a purpose. What is our purpose? What is our direction? What is God asking us to do? Every day we should get up and the first thing, one of the first things we should say is, God, what would you have me to do today? Where would you lead me today? Guide me, direct me. Do you let God direct you or do you direct your way? We say, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Don't we? Don't we say, Lord, lead us, guide us, show us. Trust in the Lord with all the heart. Lead me not in the paths of sin. Lead me not in the place of temptation. Jesus would pray. Oh, dear friend, we need to be led by God, by his word, by his spirit. That's why it's a good thing every morning to get in his book and read his will for your life. That way you have direction in life. You have a path. You have a purpose. Without a purpose, without passion for life, your life will be poor indeed. Even if you're retired, God bless you retired folks, you should have a reason to get up in the morning. Something that you're going to do a goal in mind yes he was had he had a disturbing direction but we see the reaction to his disturbing direction the disciples dismay look at verse 32 it says they were amazed (laughs) they were going up to Jerusalem to this place where Jesus ultimately would be sacrificed where Jesus would be murdered and they were amazed in John chapter 11 verse 8 who said master the Jews of late sought to stone thee what what and thou goest Thou hither? Again? You're going back to Jerusalem. They, they, they were going to kill you the first time. You're going back again? Thomas would say in John chapter 11, verse 16, Let us go, so that we may die with him to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples were determined, like Thomas, and some were dismayed. I can't believe you're going to die, Jesus. Remember, we talked about this before. That this, their whole plan was not for Jesus to die. The disciples' plan was that he would live. Now, who, would, who wouldn't want to be with the miracle worker, amen? Who wouldn't be, want to be around for that person who can heal the sick? Who can make blind eyes see, as we're going to look about in Blind Bartimaeus in a few weeks. The cure the leper. Cause that little girl who was sleeping to wake up from her sleep and actually live. Who wouldn't want to be around that person? Who wouldn't want to be someone who could preach powerfully? The greatest preacher that ever lived is Jesus Christ. The Sermon on the Mount, greatest sermon that was ever preached. Who wouldn't want to hear that? But that wasn't his main purpose. Oh, that was part of his purpose, to preach, to teach, to train his disciples, to heal the sick, to help those who infirm. But his main purpose was to die. And you know in life we have to keep the main thing the main thing. So oftentimes we want to get off track. That's one of, the, what's one of the duties of the devil is to get us off track. He'll get us so idle we get ourselves in trouble or he'll get us so busy we don't have time for anything else. See, he doesn't matter if he get you so busy or get you so idle. He doesn't want you to do what God wants you to do. You have to keep the focus of what God wants you to do and you have to keep it every day of your life. They were in dismayed. They were dismayed. Oh, dear friend, don't allow disturbing news to defeat you. You may hear of disturbing news. James chapter 1, verse 12, My brethren, counted it all joy when you fall in the divers' temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Brother Shaw called me this morning. He said, right, right over there. He said, preacher, doctor came in. My wife's on 100% oxygen. She's probably going to go. He said, doctor came in, talked to my wife. She so said, ma'am, you won't be on this breathing machine? Or you want me to take you off. She said, I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. Man, what's wrong, with, what's wrong with that? Now, some people would find it and say, well, I want another day of life. Dear friend, this life compared to the next life, there's no comparison. <laughs> She's ready to go home. She may be home right now as we speak, going home. She was seeking God's will. Don't be, don't, be, don't be upset when you hear something disturbing, disturbing. Don't be reactionary. Don't run with the crowd. Don't other, let other people's opinions pressure you into anything you're not sure of. If you're not sure of it, don't do it. Wait on the Lord. Trust in him. Ask wise counsel from other people. Oh, we see the dismay and the disturbance, but the dread of the disturbance, They it says they were afraid. This speaks of the disturbance, not only of these disciples, but those disciples who were around him. What happens when we become afraid? First thing we want to do is just give up. You get scared, you just want to give up. I just just want to quit. Another thing we do is run away. Dear friend, when you get afraid, it's not time to give up. It's not time to run away. You know what you should start doing? Keep doing what you've been doing before. Trusting God, asking him for, 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 for grace and for peace. We give up. Oh, I, you know, if I, something might happen. I hear this a lot. You know, preacher, I'm not going to do that. Some, something might happen. Um, I like Proverbs 26, 13. The slothful man said there's a lion in the way. The lion's in the streets. You're not even going to get up out of the bed going down the road. There might be a lion. There might not be a lion. Dear friend, just go do what God wants you to do. The fear of man is a snare. Don't be afraid. Yeah, we give up and we clam up. Well, if I say something to somebody, if I share my faith, I'm afraid how they're going to react. Well, dear friend, aren't that what, isn't that what we're supposed to do? Aren't we supposed to be light bearers? Aren't we supposed to be salt and light? Not wonder how or be afraid about how they react, but simply share the truth and love. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We, what happens we become afraid, we give up, we clam up. But what happens when we trust in God? There's safety. Bible says, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. There's praise and peace. Psalm 56, verse 3, what time I am afraid? I will trust in thee. Psalm 56, verse 4, in God I will praise his word. In God, if I put my trust, I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Jesus had done many things before. Many things had done many times, as Jesus had done many times before. What does he do with his disciples when they become afraid? The Bible says he took again the 12 and began to teach them what things should happen unto him. You know what we need to do? We have to be constantly reminded of God's love and peace and grace. We have to be constantly reminded that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. We know these things, we've been taught these things, even as children. We don't need to be instructed. We need to be reminded. Repetition is the key to learning. If tomorrow morning you get up, you get, you hear some news, you get frustrated, you get upset, things aren't the way you think they're supposed to be, be reminded that God loves you. He cares for you. If he knows the hair on your head, even my hair, then he knows what's going to happen to you. This last week. I was in the Bank Bank of America right off 43rd Street. I walked inside. There was a line of about 20 people. It was getting ready to be the holiday weekend, and they changed their hours from 9 to 4 to 10 to 4. And while I was in there, I walked in. As soon as I got in there, two ladies, two elderly ladies, were both Christians. And at first, I looked at that, and I thought, man, this is a problem. I'm going to have to wait here for 30 minutes. Well, it was 30 minutes. But it wasn't a bad thing, it was a wonderful thing. We got to share our testimony with one another. We got to encourage one another. We got to talking about scripture. We got to talking about what God is doing in our lives. It was a blessing. And you could look at it and say, what's well, a problem? I gotta wait in the line the bank. But no, when we left, we, were all, we, we, we stood around and said, thank God we had the opportunity to be in this line to fellowship and encourage one another. Oh dear friends, don't look at everything in life as a problem, look at the potential. Look at the potential. You think about this country and all the problems it had at the very beginning. How's this going to happen? How how are we going to leave England? You remember, you know a lot of folks didn't even want to leave England. That was the mother country. You say goodbye to your mother? That's not too good. They didn't like the fact that they were going to have to leave their ties and security. But they decided to be independent and do the will of God. And thank God that they did. And dear friends, we need to realize in life sometimes circumstances may not look good. The, out, the, the circumstances may look dire. The clouds may be dark. We, when, when, when things go that way, we need to sing that little song. I just keep trusting my Lord as I walk along. I just keep trusting my Lord. I can't remember the rest of the song. Oh, amen. We get the point. Trust God. Don't get down. Don't get sad. Don't get frustrated. See, so often we're focused on, I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. Dear friend, happiness is found in the midst of doing God's will. I was reading this book that my daughter bought me for Father's Day because I told her to buy it for me. It was called, it's called The Tap Code. It was by a man by the name of Captain Carlisle Smitty and his wife, Louise. They write about how they survived after he was shot down by the North Vietnamese on April 4th, 19, 1965. These are words that she wrote. She said, happiness is, is dependent on our circumstances, whereas joy is another thing entirely. Joy involves looking at the whole situation and seeing the benefits of others as well as for ourselves. Joy is not dependent on our circumstance. Joy is a gift. Joy is a choice. You wonder, well, I'm not happy, I'm not happy, I'm not happy. Sometimes, dear friend, it's not God's will that you be happy. You read about Paul, was he always happy? <laughs> he was in prison. The theme of a man in prison, the book of Philippians, the book of, Philippines, book of Philippians was joy he was in prison you can have joy even in difficult circumstances but you must choose it don't let anybody take your joy don't let anything take your joy don't let bad news circumstances take your joy live for god you see the disturbing direction the dismay of the disciples and thirdly this morning the details of his destiny i we gonna give us seven c's talking about these details verse 33 it says Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. We see the city in the details. The Jerusalem was the religious hierarchy. It was a place where they were crucified as Christ, as we well know. But these religious people, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they came from Jerusalem primarily, and they rejected Jesus. We see the conspiracy in the details. The Son of Man which shall be delivered. The chief priest and the scribes, the words delivered, is the idea of being Betrayed. Oh, they they liked Jesus when things were going well, but when he started speaking the truth, oh, they didn't like him so much. They had to betray him. You see the condemning in the details. They shall condemn him to death. They weren't just trying to sweep him aside. They weren't just trying to put him in his place. They were going to have to destroy him. He became popular. He spoke opposite of what they were teaching. Remember, the religious rulers, the Sadducees and, and Pharisees taught a works-based salvation. Based on a misinterpretation of the Old Testament, Jesus spoke the truth. He taught the truth. He said he was the way. The salvation's by grace, not by works. So they had to, they had to condemn him. They had to destroy him. You see, the companions in the details, they shall deliver him to the Gentiles. The death penalty was not allowed among the Jews. But the death penalty was allowed to run the Romans. So the Jews could not condemn him to death, but they could deliver him over to the Gentiles, which was the Romans, which they ultimately did. Remember Pontius Pilate? He would be condemned by the Jews, and he'd be delivered over to the Gentiles. We see the contempt, contempt of the details. They shall mock him, they shall scourge him, they shall spit upon him, they shall ultimately destroy him. Our lovely Lord Jesus, this, was the will of God for him to be mocked, to be scourged. To be scourged means they took whips, and two Roman soldiers would beat him with whips. And that was the very will of God. They spit upon him, they dishonored him, and they would crucify him. Crucifixion was the favorite way of death for the Romans. They shall kill him. But thank God, the Bible says he says the third day he shall rise again we see the conquest in the details he shall rise again all of this though it seemed so amazing so fearful were the disciples in hearing this news though they'd heard it at this point for the third time jesus had said to them for the third time that he was going to be going he was going to die and now he adds he's going to rise again on the third day Often in life, we hear disturbing news. Often in, work, in life, we hear, we know of this things that cause us to be amazed, to go through frustrations and difficulty. But dear friend, oftentimes we need to just trust God and ask him to help us and guide us and direct us. From the beginning of our country till today, we must believe what is written on our currency in God. When we get back to that, as we as believers in Jesus Christ, if we don't get back to believing in God and trusting in God and not living by sight, but by living by faith, not living what we hear, but living how we know, how can we be light and salt in this dark world that's going to get darker? It's going to get darker. How should we live? I was thinking about a man that I read about by the name of Patrick Hamilton, not Patrick Henry, but Patrick Hamilton. He was a distant cousin of a Scottish king, King James V. At the age of 14, he left to study at the University of Paris, pretty smart. When he was 17, he got a Master's of Art in 1520. At 17, though, also, he read about Martin Luther. He read about how Martin Luther nailed down that 95 Theses at that church, he read about how salvation is by, by grace, by faith, and not by works. And at 17 years of age, he placed his faith in Jesus Christ. What a wonderful decision. Not only thing was he was influenced by Martin Luther, he was influenced by the Tyndale Bible, which came out in 1523. He read the Bible, studied the Bible, but he wasn't just content to read the Bible and study the Bible. He began to preach the word of God. But the Catholics of that day could not stand the word of God, and they could not stand somebody preaching the word of God outside of their own system. And so ultimately, at the age of 24 years old, this young man was burnt to death. His last words were, Jesus Christ received my spirit. How long shall darkness overwhelm this realm? How long wilt thou suffer this tyranny of men? And some would say, 24 years of, lay, of life, what a waste of life. Some people would say of Jesus, 33 years of life, what a waste of life. No dear friend, it was a waste of life. They gave their life. You see, it's not, it doesn't matter so long how you, long you live. It's how you live. His life ultimately went on to influence another great man by the name of John Knox, great reformer. Mary of Scots feared the prayers of John Knox more than all the armies of Europe. John Knox said, God, give me Scotland else I die. His life went on to influence other people like Mary Schlesler, David Livingston, Eric Liddell, and many others. The blood of the Scottish martyrs was truly the seed of the church. Jesus came for one singular purpose, to die. I wonder today, If Jesus came to die for us, should not we live for him? Should not we live for him? Should not we ask him, what would you have me to do, Jesus? What direction would you have me go? Would he be a part of every fiber of our being? But we may not say that simply is Jesus Christ our Savior, but we may boldly say, each one of us, that Jesus Christ is my Lord. He is leading me in paths of righteousness. Oh, Christian friend, today, have you begun to go your way? Have you begin to do things you're, you say, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, but that's, that's wonderful, praise God you are. But are you going your own direction? When's the last time you seriously got before God and said, Lord, show me the way? See, Jesus always did the will of the Father. He always obeyed. Because of that, even though people would say, well, he failed. No, he didn't fail. He won. He won. But how did that happen? He had to die to himself. He had to say in that garden of Gethsemane, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. And dear friend, that's what we must do every day. Lord, not my will, not what my flesh wants, not what I like, not where I want to go, not what I want to be, not what's popular, not what's in, not what culture thinks, not my will, but thy will be done. If you will do that, my friend, He will say to you, well done, my good good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. Oh, dear friend, I want to hear those words. Not every person who goes to heaven will hear those words. Because every person who goes into heaven will not be good and will not be faithful. You can be saved, but not good and faithful. Oh, Christian friend, may we decide today on this independence weekend that we desire not just political freedom but more than that spiritual freedom spiritual freedom to live for jesus christ to love him with all our heart soul and mind and even if the days get darker even if times get tougher even if it's raining outside and we're looking outside that we can have sunshine in our souls because Jesus Christ is the light of the world. You see, friend, you're not going to help this old world out if, you live, if we live in darkness and act like darkness. No, the only way you're going to change this old world if you're a light, if you're different. My old pastor said, Nikki Chavers, he said, don't be dumb, be different. May we as Christians choose to be different from this world no matter how dark this world may get. Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for this rain. We thank you for all things, Lord, you've done for us. We thank you for the United States of America. We thank you for those men and women who sacrificed, Lord, so we could have the freedom to do what I'm doing this morning, to preach the word of God without any any fear or persecution. Lord, that day may not always happen. There may come a day in this time, Lord, where we cannot do this. We might have to meet and secretively. We might have to, we have to do this in a different way. But, Lord, however it comes, God, help us to trust in you again with all our heart. Help us to realize, Lord, with, with you uh, with, and knowing you as our personal Savior, that, Lord, nothing can harm us because we're safe in the arms of Jesus. Oh, God, I pray, Lord, you would help us and guide us and direct us in our lives and help us, Father, to know you and not only to know you but to live for you. As we're here in these final moments, I wonder this morning, has there been a time in your life that you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior? I didn't say, have you been religious? I didn't say if you are Baptist or Catholic or Methodist or Pentecostal. I said, has there been a time in your life where you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, not that you're baptized or you said a prayer? Do you know that you know if you were to die the day, you'd go to heaven with head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around? Dear friend, say, Preacher, I don't know if I was to die the day I'd go to heaven, but I want to know. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. We're all sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. There's not a thing you and I can do to save ourselves. But for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast.